Welcome back into the Rounding Third Podcast. I'm Nick. We got Harrison and Sean tonight. How we doing, fellas? Good boys. How we doing? How we doing? Good, good, good for a Monday night. Talking baseball as always. Uh, Before we get going, make sure you just follow, like on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can watch on Twitch if that's your thing as well. And we're still working on Apple and Spotify and all that stuff. I'm sure eventually we'll get there. We will. Technology is hard. We're getting closer. They don't like the length we'll of our podcast. We're working on it. So, sounds good. All right. Leading off tonight, we're going to start off with hot stove stuff. Manny Machado is opting out like we kind of figured, but he wants 10 years, $400 million. Uh, takes? <laughs> yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a lot of money. Yeah. I'm sorry. Is Machado Aaron, worth 10, 400? No. Aaron Judge got nine and 360. I don't, the, all these shortstops, I think the, the top of the market was Trey Turner at 30 million bucks. Yeah. I don't, I don't see how Manny Machado breaks low 30s if he's lucky, especially he's because he's going to be, no, true, but he's at potential, he's at arguably a position that's a, at a lower value being third base. Um, I mean, shortstops I, I, typically get a higher see, valuation. Could you see him moving to shortstop? I mean, at 31 for a little while, maybe. I mean, he played. I mean, he, he played it. Did. Yep. In Baltimore, he's, uh, he was a shortstop. Yeah. I don't know. I. It's one of those things that the player's the player. So, like, theoretically, like, a player that puts up the offensive numbers that Machado puts up on a regularly consistent basis whether he's playing defense at shortstop or third base, like should it matter that much? Probably not, but it does. Like it it just, it just does. I mean, it's shortstop and second base. They just get paid different. It's just the way it works. I don't know at 31 years old when this season, or I should say, because he turns 31 in July. So, you know, by July of next season, he'll be 32. Yep. Am I paying someone am I starting someone's contract at 32 paying them 40 million dollars a year taking that into their low 40 I I just don't know like I I feel like that's so much and considering you got to remember this too by the time that contract is in the middle of it we're likely going to be in a new CBA in which a salary cap is implemented so if you're a team that's signing him to 10 years 400 million likely 60 percent of that contract will be paid to him while your team is under a salary cap. Are you going to be wanting to pay a good significant chunk of your salary cap to a 37-year-old Manny Machado? I don't know. No. Are you going to to pay pay 40 million bucks a year to a guy who's 38, 39, 40, 41, 42? That's crazy. I I don't know. I I just think it's a lot. Like, you're asking a lot. Yeah, so apparently he had set this deadline with the Padres of February 16th was his contract negotiation window, and that's when he announced he was opting out when they didn't come to terms. Right. The Padres well, which, offered I mean, to tack five it, years, $105 million onto the back end of that contract to get him to 42, but they weren't going to give him 40 million bucks a season, 30 bucks a season, or 30 million bucks a season for the last five years of it. They're going to give him 21, which I think for a 37, 38, 42-year-old Manny Machado is still a pretty generous amount. Absolutely. Oh, I, I mean, I think so too. And considering if you're Machado too, you're doing it in a place in San Diego where 
for that part of the contract, they have Xander under contract. It likely means that they're going to try. I mean, Juan Soto is likely a pipe dream, but I'm sure they're going to try to keep Juan Soto. I mean, you, you, this is not going to be a bare bones no. franchise. I mean, there's obviously oh, yeah. players are going to come and go, but I mean, you, you're going to be playing on the left side of the infield. If you, if you sign that extension and you agree to that, you're going to be playing on the left side of the infield with Xander for the next 10 years. Yep. Like what, how do we say no to that? Yeah. That team's going to be good for a while. So it tells you that not only, like he wants to be the centerpiece of an organization yep. is what he wants. Yeah. Right. He wants $40 million a year. He wants to be the guy that ESPN puts up when they say Wednesday night baseball and the picture that comes up on TV, he wants it to be Manny Machado, which whatever, man, I mean, he's earned it. I mean, he's a hell of a player. He's, you know, perennial MVP candidate year in and year out. So, yep. I mean, I'm not knocking him for it, but. But that was, that was always the, kind of the word on him when he was a free agent the first time was that he's incredibly selfish um, and he, he has to be the guy. And in San Diego, he was the guy for a little while there. And now they brought in Soto and Tatis Jr.'s, you know, they put a lot of em- emphasis behind Tatis Jr. Now Xander's there and now he's just another guy on a roster that's loaded with stars. Yeah. And he immediately opts out, which tells you exactly what he's in it for, which is, which is what Sean's saying is that he wants to be, he wants to be the headliner. He wants to be the guy. He wants to get paid like the best guy on the team, and he's not that anymore in San Diego. So he he very well may be looking to move on and go somewhere else where he can be the guy, even if they don't win. And it's probably not fair for me to say, um, and Nick, I'll let you cut in after this, but I don't know. But it's, it's probably why he left L.A. A short it period was. of time as a Dodger. I mean, like it's. I mean, imagine if you have a chance to be – especially at that point in time, like he wasn't playing in LA when they were a doormat franchise. Like this was a really good franchise with good young players, a good manager, a good front office. Well, decent manager, good wasn't, front office. Wasn't he in the world series? They played against the Red Sox. Yeah. But he yeah. was just a rental though. Right. He went but, over at the deadline but, and he wasn't going to stay. He went over at the deadline. And, but I, I'm pretty sure there was an offer there for him. There was, yeah, like, there because was he, he, saw, he said no to that. And then a couple of years later, they went and got Trey Turner. Yeah. I just think Machado aside, look at the contracts coming out. The contracts are trending downward, right? The years are increasing. The annual value is decreasing. This is the same way as as you see a lot of these NFL teams trying to get underneath the cap. They're stretching out the contract a little bit to keep the money down underneath the cap that we know is coming. So maybe teams are starting to trend in that area, in that you know, towards that salary cap coming. Yes, it's in four or five years, but if they start doing it now, then it's, you know, they're not going to have to change anything when that cap comes in. But, and it's also but, a way to protect. And it's not worth that, 40 million. No, it's a, and it's a way to protect some of that downside risk. You know, you give, you give a guy an average of 30 or 28 million bucks a year. Well, really for the first four or five years, you know, you're really giving them like 40. Then the back years, you're really kind of giving them 18 or 20 and you're averaging it out and calling it, you know, we're going to split the difference and just, spread it over all these years because I, I can't imagine giving 42 year old Manny Machado $40 million. Like that just seems insane. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And particularly, and, and again, I mean, it's important to note, particularly when there's likely to be a salary cap at that time. Right. Like that's the one thing we always said about baseball, but like, Oh, can you imagine they're paying this guy that much money? It's like, well, it's not my money. What do I care? <laughs> like it doesn't right. hurt the team because if the owner's willing to pay it, well now it's going to start hurting the team. 
Like right. now the team oh, yeah. will be affected and impacted because if there's a salary cap and you're allotting 20% of that to one player who's 41 years old, that's just not going to fly. No. That's not good. Well, staying with the Padres, they go ahead and they sign Michael Walker, and then they mm. also sign Cole Hamels to a minor league deal. So Cole Hamels might see major league time if the 16 pitchers that the Padres signed, you know, this offseason, you know, a few of them get hurt. Um, I mean, Michael Walker to have on the backside of that rotation – or a long relief guy, that's just going to solidify that rotation for sure. Well, and you know with Waka's history that he's only going to be available for probably two-thirds of the season anyways, and you've got enough bodies where you can mix and match and work people in. But Waka was really good for the Red Sox last year when he was healthy, and he they're, was. Getting him for, yeah. they're getting him for not a lot, and he's an awesome I, depth piece. I like the idea of the depth piece with him too because they, you know, they went out early in free agency and they, they – gave Seth Lugo a chance to come over from New York and they're giving him a chance in the starting rotation. And we, Seth Lugo hasn't been a starter in a while. Like he's been that guy that comes out of the bullpen with his nasty stuff. I mean, the electric Gross. fastball, the disgusting curveball. Um, but he wants to start and they're giving him a chance to start. But Michael Walker also gives you the opportunity. Let's say, let's say Seth Lugo doesn't work out as a starter. You're not losing much. I mean, you can slide Mike Walker right in. Seth Lugo goes back to where he's comfortable in the pen, and he's now a legitimate weapon coming out of the bullpen. Like, you're not really losing much. Um, and I wonder if San Diego was looking at – and they're just going, I can't believe he's still there. Like, they probably weren't expecting Michael Walker to still be there. And they're saying, no. he's still here. Let's see if we can get him for the low price of and, – and, and they did. And you got to give him credit. Um, yeah. I think that's going to turn out to be a good move for them. I do. I think he's well, going to do real well in San Diego. And I think to that point, Sean, nobody expected him to still be out there. Everybody thought he, yeah, the Red Sox right. would grab him up. And and now all of a sudden the Red Sox announced this week that Brian Bellow's got some potential issues. And you're thinking, man, it'd be really nice to have Michael Walker on camp, but where the hell mm -hmm. is he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, sure. that rotation just – I mean, we'll get to it in our NLS preview, but I think that rotation puts the Padres over the edge for me. I mean, the front three alone with Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove. Yep. And then you add those depth pieces in there, too. I, yeah, you, I just... you got three or four guys you could pick to be your four and five starters. I mean, you got options. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, White Sox re-signed Elvis Andrews for his 28th Major League season. That guy's been around forever. So, I sure mean, under the radar signing, but I know the, the Red Sox were kind right. of looking at him the, for a little bit. And where the hell are the Red Sox on that one? Yeah, I think they're happy with you know Kike or Mondesi at short or revolving that door, and just hoping that story comes back at some point. Well, I still wonder if at some I point. still wonder if the Sox are are still making an effort um, with San Diego. For that, uh, the Korean, I can never get the Korean guy's name right. Oh, um, Kim, uh, it's not Kim, is it? Hassan Kim, Hassan, I think it might be Hassan Kim. Yeah, is that I, I can never get his name right? I gotta look it up now. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is Hassan Kim, that's the right one. Hassan, yeah, Hassan Kim, yeah, yeah. I still, I, I, I'm still wondering, it would be, it makes too much sense. It makes too much sense. He defensively can play both second base and shortstop. He's 
fine at the plate. Like he he's 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 not gonna win any silver sluggers. He's not gonna go out there and w- put the game on his back. Like, but he's serviceable at the plate. He's a good base runner. He can cause some havoc when he gets on base. He's damn reliable defensively. Like he's just it makes too much sense where he can play second, he can play short. Kike can play second. Kike can play short. Um, Mondesi can play both. I mean, really, the only guy that's kind of hampered by one or the other is Arroyo. It's just a second baseman. But it, right. it gives you a lot of flexibility. Um, I don't know. I, I could be talking on my ass. But I just I, – I find it hard to believe that – are the Sox okay with what they have going in? Yeah, like I'm sure they feel okay about it. Are they pumped? No. Like there's I, – I just find it so hard to believe that these guys aren't and what's what's Kim doing in San Diego? He's like he's not going to get any at bats. He's not going to play. He's well, playing. Sure. He's starting at well, not with Bogarts there now. Yeah, right. That's I what I'm saying. Know. He's not like he's not going to play. No, right. like, there's there's he's got, he's got no home now. Like he's going to be a backup. I mean, well, what they could do still, is they they move still projecting that, to the outfield. Yeah, they're still they projecting move. that Kim is going to be the leadoff hitter and the second baseman. Yeah, because you're gonna you're gonna slide Cronenworth over to first base. And you're gonna push um, Tatis Jr. in the outfield when he gets back. But yep, I mean, you know, so you've got an opening day projected lineup for the Padres of of Kim at second, Soto, Machado, Bogarts, Cronenworth at first, Nelson Cruz DHing, Matt Carpenter in the outfield, Austin Nola catching, Trent Grisham in the outfield. When Tatis Jr. gets back, I'm assuming Carpenter probably goes to the bench and becomes a becomes a sub. Right, but think about. Think about if you're San Diego, if you're San Diego, when Tatis comes back, right, and which is all, uh, April 20th. I mean, he's not – he's missing a handful of games to start the year. Yeah, not a lot. Wouldn't you be much more comfortable – and this is just obviously a Red Sox fan from my point of view. Wouldn't you be more comfortable with – Carpenter can play first base. Carpenter can play the outfield. Mm-hmm. With Cronenworth playing second and going and, and, and bending a team like the Red Sox over a barrel? For a guy that they need, <laughs> like Hassan Kim is not winning you any batting titles at second base. I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that he stinks. Like I, I think he's valuable for the Red Sox. I think he's much more valuable for Boston than he is for San Diego. Like yeah. if anything, if anything, a guy that hits 225 is a is a hamper. Yeah, is going to hamper that San Diego lineup. Like regardless of what he does defensively. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, how many times is, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just want it to happen too much, but. Well, I think the, I think the hard part too is that the Padres really like Kim because he is so versatile. Um, it might be one of those where unless you blow me away with a, with an offer, you know, we're just going to hang on to the kid. Sure, and that's fair, and I get that. I mean, I just, you know, they do have a ton of versatile pieces though. Cronenworth is versatile. Matt Carpenter is versatile. Tatis. I mean, we we can dump. I mean, he's versatile. I oh, mean, absolutely. Tatis can play fairly, pretty much anywhere. But I mean, Tatis still has mu- he still has two months to mess it up somehow. So yeah. he's yeah. still got time. <laughs> so no, I I for some reason I and this is I might look like a fool. I think he's really going to play it straight and narrow here. I think he realizes some of the things he said and the way he's come out. Like I I think he realizes that. You know, we we get no more. No more slack here. Well, yeah. he yeah he'd be he'd be stupid to keep playing this game. He just needs to get on the field, yeah. play, shut everybody up, prove that he is the guy that everybody thought he was, and then all the all the talk will end. 
But if he continues to screw around and do stupid stuff and miss time and not perform, he's just going to continue to have people riding his ass. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another thing, Frankie Montas for the Yankees is out for the season with shoulder surgery. So that makes the deal for him at the deadline. He gets hurt, doesn't help him in the playoffs, and then bang, he is out with shoulder surgery and is done. So Yankees are without him. Um, yeah, that's looking like a really bad deal now. It does, but I, I, I have a hard time knocking it just because I was the guy at the time the Yankees pulled it off. I wanted the Sox to go get him, you know. So <laughs> yeah. it's one of those where, like, it looks bad. You know, some of those just end up looking bad. I will say Montas was one of those weird guys that had those weird stats where, like, outside of Oakland, his numbers were average. He did. But, like, inside – and it was like – is that just because like he benefits from the ridiculous amount of out of bounds space that they have? Like he just, you know what I mean? Like it, it it doesn't really make any sense, but at the same time it does a little bit. So I, I don't know, tough, tough break for the Yankees, but yeah. Um, And then the last thing I have for leading off. And I agree real real quick on that, Nick, I agree. Montas was a, was a trade that had to get made. And I, there's other teams that wish they had made it. It's just too bad to see that he's going to end up contributing nothing. Right. Yeah, and who knows when he comes back, what happens, you know? I mean, right. we'll see. Yeah, good uh, stuff. And then, but... Yeah. Uh, last thing I have leading off, Clayton Kershaw is out of the WBC. Mm-hmm. He is out because of insurance issues. Um, he pretty much, he's too old. Um, they won't insure <laughs> his contract. End of story. So it's not injury related. Nope. He's just out because he can't be insured. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's one of the things I think a lot of us don't realize happens behind the scenes. Because keep in mind, these guys are all on guaranteed contracts. So if Kershaw goes out to the World Baseball Classic and blows his arm out and misses the season, the Dodgers still pay that salary. So MLB works with insurance companies, and one in particular, I can't remember the name of it, that actually when these guys go to the WBC, they, they, they buy insurance for the contracts. So if Clayton Kershaw goes out and blows his arm out, he still gets paid, but the insurance company reimburses the Dodgers for the cost of that contract. So it's not coming out of the Dodgers payroll. So in this case, there were two players on the WBC rosters that could not get insurance because of age and condition. Clayton Kershaw was one. He dropped out uh, because the Dodgers would not waive it. And number two is Miguel Cabrera. Couldn't also not get insurance, but the Tigers waived it to let him go play. Because honestly, you know, if Kershaw gets hurt, the Dodgers are screwed. Cabrera gets hurt. I don't think the the Tigers are no better or worse. But it's only that, though. Like, it's, it's, I mean, how how is a guy like Miguel Cabrera really going to get himself badly hurt? Yeah, it's unlikely. Right. Like, Miguel Cabrera, I mean, he, he he's going to hit for Venezuela. It's what he's going to do. Yep. He's not going to leg out doubles. No. <laughs> no. Like, he's not, you know what I mean? Hasn't done like that in years. Gonna the, he's right. going to put the ball over the fence yeah. or, you know, he's, he's going to end up at first base. Like, there's not real risk. For, yeah, like, right. I get. I get the Dodgers not waving Kershaw, regardless of how much he means to them. It's like, like, buddy, like you could hurt yourself. Like your career could be over. We're right. trying to squeeze a couple more years out of you one by one and your career could end. So like, I, I get that. Like it's, I understand that. Yeah. And the Dodgers don't have the depth that they used to, you know, like they no. didn't really put together that off season where, you know, they could afford to lose a starting pitcher. Like not yeah. saying Kershaw would go out and, and, you know, get hurt and lose that spot, but the Dodgers aren't in a position to even risk that. So, sure. I mean, yeah. All right. 
since we're talking about the Dodgers and everything, we are going to start uh, fifth inning. We're going to go down. We're going to preview all the divisions week by week here until the start of the season. Um, we are going to switch it up, and we're going to start in the NL West, which is where we usually end every time because, you know, us being homers, we always start in the AL East. So we're going to end with them, uh, and we're going to start in the NL West. Um, does anybody have anybody different at the top of the division here? Who do we think is going to take it? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. San Diego. Yeah, I, I don't think I, we have anything anyone different. Yeah, I, I think I think the, I think the Padres win this division finally. I think it's close. I don't think the Dodgers are that far off. Um, and and I'll really I'll be curious how this whole Padres team comes together. You know, got you got a lot of new faces. Soto didn't have a great second half there last year. Um, Xander's new there. You got Tatis Jr. coming back. You got all these guys to to mix in. Insane amounts of talent. Um, I do think they win it. I think the Dodgers are not that far behind, but the Dodgers are def- the Dodgers took a huge step back this year. Yeah, I I just go to yeah, the star power they added, but I mean, I'm just going with the the starting pitching staff. I, I mean you got Darvish, you got Musgrove, Snell, Lugo, Nick Martinez, and then they just signed Waka. I mean, they just have the depth at, at the starting pitching. Then I think the Dodgers do, in my opinion. Um, and with a balance, and with a balanced schedule, the Padres aren't going to be playing the Dodgers twenty times and losing that matchup. What was it last year? Like fifteen to four. It was bad. Pretty. It was outrageous. It was pretty awful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not going to belabor that one. Yeah, I think I, that's. Uh, What's interesting is a lot of these simulators, including including the Zip simulator, put the Padres and Dodgers neck and neck at 91 and 71. Hmm. So none of them even win 100 games, huh? No, they're they're not predicting anybody in the NL West wins 100 games. Yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah. They're they're predicting the the division winners at 91 wins. Does any do, do they have anyone winning 100? Uh no. I didn't think so. I, I didn't think I saw any 100, 100 wins. No. Mets at 94 wins. Uh, sorry, 96 wins. Braves at 94 wins. Yeah, no, I don't see anybody at 100 wins. Yeah. So I kind of do take the depth comment back from the from the Dodgers because they did make two offseason acquisitions that could help them. They got Shelby Miller from the Diamondbacks, yep. and they got Noah Syndergaard. Well, and they signed JD Martinez, who's he's he will hit. Right. I mean, they they've not had a good off season, but it's not like they did nothing at all. But uh, yeah, I mean, their starting five are Kershaw, Urias, Goslin, Dustin May, and Noah Syndergaard. I mean, that's not yeah, they're still gonna pitch. Not bad. I mean, I think last year it was kind of like the Dodgers and the Padres. I think this year it's more like we've leveled it out now. Um, you know, maybe the Padres are a hair better, but. Uh, it's going to be it, it should it should be a good race. The Dodgers are not as good as they once were. The Padres are better than they were. They probably meet somewhere in the middle, and I think they'll be battling for that division all the way to the end. Yeah. Um. So you guys agree, Dodgers second then behind the yep. Padres. I think it's yeah. I think yeah. Padres win that division by a couple of games. Okay, I like the I, Giants, but I don't. I don't think the Giants are are taking second no. place. I agree. But I, I not, like them. I, yeah, they're I not. Like they're the not Giants. there yet, but they're not that far not off there. either. Not 
I mean, they were so weird having that 110 win season. Was it that not was last a, year or the year before? Like, yeah, that was a fluke. Like, what just happened? Yeah, they got they got this kid. They drafted four overall in 2018. The catcher there that's supposed to be the heir apparent to Buster Posey. This is going to probably be a make or break year for him. I expect. Um, I'm interested to watch him in spring training, kind of see how he's doing. I think if he has a good year and he comes up and does the things that they expect him to do, I can see the Giants making a little noise. I just don't know if all around as a whole club, if they can keep that up for a whole year with the balance schedule, you know, not being able to play Colorado 20 times, like you don't really like that matters, yeah. you know? So um, we'll see. I, I, no. I, I still think they get third place, but I, I'm not so sure they're, they're there yet. Are you talking Joey Bart, the young guy? Bart. Yeah. Yep. Bart. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it goes, it goes giants, diamondbacks, Rockies to, to fill out the the rest of the NL West for me. I think Diamondbacks and Rockies are a coin flip. Um, but I mean the Diamondbacks lost Shelby Miller, who's there was their stud down there. So like yeah. I don't know who else pitches for them. And Mad Bum. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> Trying to have a better or, year. I guess. But yeah, yeah, that's how I would fill out the rest of that. Look, yeah, it, I look at it as you've got you've got the Padres and Dodgers who are battling for the division, the Giants who are kind of on the outside looking in, and then the Rockies and the Diamondbacks who are just existing out there um, for whatever, you know, doing whatever it is they do. Do you think the Giants could vie for a wild card spot? Yes or no? Um, Outside chance. Too much in the NL East, huh? I say... I feel like you've. It, it's you not just the, that. I mean, the NL Central, the Central's too, not man. bad either. Like you've got right. the Brewers like and the Cardinals. And the Cubs are going to make noise. The Cubs, they, the Cubs yeah. might be the best defensive team in the National League this year. The Cubs yeah, so, got so much better defensively. So much play, better. Defensively. Yeah, when you think playoffs, you got Padres, Dodgers, Braves, Mets, Cardinals, Cardinals, and, and then after that, the sixth team could easily be the Brewers. It could easily be the Cubs. It could easily. It could be the Giants. It. It, I mean, with the Phillies, where the Phillies and all this. Phillies, I mean, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like yeah. I feel like the Giants. Yeah. There's too much in the NL this year for them to really have a chance. I agree, with Sean. You know, maybe if they if they catch fire at the right time, maybe they could slip in. But I think there's at least six or seven teams ahead of them. And who knows? The MLB could still change the playoff format. They got a they got a month and a half to change it. I mean, Everybody it gets like, a trophy. Let's bring them all in. I mean, it seems like they change the playoff format every other year. So. Maybe they'll let it ride this year and then change yeah. it again. But. I I actually I think when you look across the landscape of baseball, I think the NL is more loaded than the AL is right now. I don't know. I don't oh. know about loaded. I don't know about loaded. I think the NL is more up in the air with like when you get past the top four or five, like you get past the division winners, right? So you have your division winners. You have your San Diego, and let's just say Mets Atlanta. And then flip flip them, sure. And then you have St. Louis, right? Like outside of that, then like you, you got San Francisco, you got the Phillies, you got the Cubs, you got the Brewers. And I do think the Cubs will make a major step this year. Like I, I yeah. think the Cubs are completely not talked about enough no, with what they good. did this off season defensively. They added some pop offensively. I think this Suzuki guy is the real deal. He's only going to get better getting in the league more. Um, so, anyways. I still think the American League is just Kim. I don't know. I think like I'll take the Astros over anybody. Yep. I will take as records, and I'll take the Yankees. I don't think the Yankees are going to win a title, 
but the Yankees are talented enough where they're going to win 95, 94, 96, 97 games. It's just what they're going to do. Yep. Right. Um, yeah, well, I guess maybe. I, I, I would take those two teams. Maybe the Mets are the only team in the National League I would take over those two. Yeah, I think the I think the National League probably has seven or eight legitimately good teams. I think the yeah. American League's got four or five, and then a bunch of guy, a bunch of teams that are like, "What the hell are they doing?" That's, I guess I'll give you that. I yeah. talked myself yeah. into agreeing with you. I'll give yeah, you. That. So I feel like the National League's a little bit more top heavy. The American League's a little bit more like who like who's going to emerge because yeah. like the American League Central is a complete disaster. Um, yeah, it, it's bad. Out west, you've got the Houston Astros, and then the the Mariners like way behind them, and then everybody else. The American League East is a big friggin' question mark because you got the Yankees who are who are very good. You got the Blue Jays who I think got a little bit better. You got mm-hmm. the Rays. I don't know. You got the Orioles who did nothing. You got the Red Sox who are kind of a mess. Um, I don't know. I I feel like in the National League, like you, I think the National League is gonna be a lot of fun this year because you you literally have like eight or nine teams that should make a run at the playoffs for the American League. Yeah. I think you got right. four teams that have a legitimate claim and a bunch of teams that are gonna fight over the last couple of spots. I talked myself into agreeing with you. Fair. I'll give you that. Which is funny yeah. because really for years and years and years, it's been the American League was the strength. Right. And yeah. I feel like that pendulum has swung. Absolutely. Yeah. But look, so, but look, at who defe- look at who defected. You lost Justin Verlander. You lost Xander Bogarts. These guys all jumped to the National League. Yeah. yeah. Facts. All right. Yeah, so we're – in agreement, pretty much all the way down the board in the NL West here. We got Padres, Dodgers, Giants, Diamondbacks, Rockies. Um, I mean, Diamond like again, Diamondbacks and Rockies can flip a coin; they can decide who's last. But um, <laughs> they might be battling yeah. for the first pick in the draft. Yeah. So, and again, we keep bringing this up and bringing it up, but I'm like really intrigued to see how much the balance schedule really does affect standings because. Yeah. Like we said, like the Dodgers aren't going to have the chance to go four and fifteen against the Dodgers this year. They're just not going to play them that much time, that many times. So yeah, and I think the I think the big storylines in the NL West are going to be how well that Padres team comes together. Yeah, and then absolutely. do the do the Dodgers miss the loss of players like Justin Turner, who were key contributors and leaders in that clubhouse? Yeah, you know, do the Dodgers fall apart a little bit because they don't have those key people anymore? Right. I don't know. We will see. All right. So next week we will move to the NL Central and um, see how that one pans out. Uh, We are going to move on to the seventh inning where we threw out there. uh, We're going position by position. We're going to do the the best uh, best three all time and then the best three first baseman right now. So position by position, we are going to go through that. who wants to go first on this one while I pull out people's answers? We're gonna we're gonna start with all time. Sure, we'll start with all time. All right, so I'll I'll, I'll go first. Uh, all time first baseman. I've got Lou Gehrig. Mm-hmm. I've got Stan Musial. I love Stan Musial. Huge Stan Musial fan. Um, and Albert Pujols. Uh, there was there were a few guys that scared pitchers in their prime like Albert Pujols did, and he actually could play some defense in his day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Sean? Um, Lou Gehrig. I, I, I hate to piggyback on someone else's, but how do you not go with Lou Gehrig? I say, how do you so not? That's the only one I'll take the same. 
I'll take Lou Gehrig. I'll take Jimmy Fox. Jimmy Fox absolutely raked at first base. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know who's one that's maybe not top three of all time, but I absolutely loved him. I will always love him. Jim Tomey. Give me Jim <laughs> Tomey all day. Uh, I, I love pointing the, pointing the bat at the pitcher. I thought was the most epic stance ever. Yeah. So there are. How do I want to say this? Jim Tomey. Let's just say it, Nick. He swung from his ass every single. Oh. He didn't get cheated on a single swing in his a billion year career. No, he was. He, and he was so like, he was on everywhere he went was on good teams. Yeah. Like he was almost, I don't want to say never, but like he was just on teams that were just good. Like there's just something about the guy where he went. Teams were good. Teams won. They competed in the playoffs. Those, those Cleveland teams. It's a shame they never won a title. It really it's is. It's an absolute they shame. Stacked. It's a shame yeah. that he never won a title in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Well, was, it, was it the 95 team that won 100-something games, went to the World Series, and lost to the Braves? Like, that team yeah, was so good. Loaded. Stacked. Manny Ramirez hit, like, seventh for them. Like, yeah. <laughs> like so that's good. crazy. But, yeah, Jim told me. I'll take Jim told me. Okay. Um, obviously, Lou Gehrig for me. Um, and then I also piggyback on Harrison with Albert Pujols. I mean, mm-hmm. it's 700 home runs. One of the four guys, like, I, I mean, come on now. Um, and then my third is another 500 home run guy out of the cell side, Mr. Big Hurt, Frank Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, dude was just an absolute, absolute beast. Um, just, I mean, one of my favorite players to watch of all time. I've never seen such a ginormous human being in my life. Um, but the guy was so just honor- tank too. First baseman had a lot, though. Like, first base is a tough position to do top three all time because it's like everyone's top three is likely going to be different. I mean, everyone, all three of us, we had Lou Gehrig. Most people are going to have Lou Gehrig, too. Like, you got Jeff Bagwell in there. You got Harmon Killebrew. You got Miguel Cabrera, Todd Helton, Eddie Murray, yeah. Mark McGuire. I mean, like, Eddie Murray's so a great one. Eddie Murray was great. loaded. It was loaded, loaded. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you could have. I mean, I. If you had me take my like, my bias hat, like I Eddie Murray. Like, how do you not put Eddie Murray in there? Switch hitter, five hundred homers, like, oh. yeah, oh. absolutely. So it was uh, a that was a loaded position. Uh, we yeah. do have a we do have a couple. and all these other guys yeah. that played there. I mean, so many good first basemen. Uh, we do have a couple comments. We have uh, Jackie Robinson, Don Mattingly, Albert Pujols. Mattingly. I think Jackie Robinson, is a, he he did towards the end of his career. Okay, I was going to say, I don't remember second base. But, right. I mean, that's how I view Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Jackie Robinson is a second baseman. But, um, and then honorable mention, steady Eddie Murray is what Randy commented. So, yeah. um, No, Eddie then, Murray's a great one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian said Stan Musial, Keith Hernandez, and Keith Albert Hernandez Pujols. is another one, yep. Um, and then a couple people, cause the way I worded it, I said top three first basemen. So they listed like third baseman and I was like, no, no, I, I wanted, <laughs> yeah, I wanted I first that. baseman guys. I was like, yeah. sorry. And then they didn't give me their third, first baseman. So, um, whatever. So yeah, those are what we have. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Nolan Arenado was one of those picks. I'll take him as the best all time <laughs> in any position. I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put him at first. I don't care. <laughs> he, he would win a gold glove instantly. 
He went a go- but, the, the dude the dude with a gold position. glove anywhere on the field. Anywhere. The dude could win a gold glove if he was a designated hitter, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, I mean, right. for real. Agreed. All right. Top three first baseman uh, order right now. Vladdy Jr., Paul Goldschmidt. And that third one's hard to yeah, pick. No, there's so many good choices. Yeah, like so I, you, I, I'm, I'm not the same two as me. I took Matt Olson as my third. That's who I took. Ooh, oh, okay. I Matt Olson's a real not. good one. But I, I was Goldschmidt, Flatty Jr., Matt Olson. I mean, the third one is it, there's so many good choices. It's crazy. There's First base is loaded in baseball right Pete now. Pete Alonzo. I mean, I'm biased. I'll go with Pete. Yeah, I mean, you got okay. Pete I mean, Alonzo. That's, you I, got I, Freddie I say Freeman. It that way. Got... I'm not a, I'm not upset with Pete. Like I, well, I well, said it. No. Like, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'll be my third. So I was on the fence between Pete and Freddie Freeman. So I'll take yeah. I'll take Freeman as my third. Sure. I'm so, so tired of Freddie Freeman. It's not even funny. It's just because he's in LA. If he was still in Atlanta, you wouldn't be butthurt and you would love him. Uh, you're probably right. You're probably <laughs> yeah, right. I know. It's it's fine. Just not um, a fan anymore. Our viewers kind of agree. Brian says uh Polar Pete, Vlad Jr., Freddie Freeman. Um Jim Britt says Arenado, Devers, and Ramirez. <laughs> um, I mean, those guys would all be great at first base, too, for the record. Right. Um, and actually, probably they're probably all going to play first base at some point in their career anyways. So Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was just funny because Nick Fanning did the same exact thing and That's took awesome. the same three. So Arenado, Devers, that. and Ramirez. Good but, choices. Yeah. We'll get to them eventually, fellas. But yeah. yeah. So, I mean... First base all time is definitely so hard to pick. Like there is, it's loaded. There is a lot for sure. Um, so many good right. players played first base. Yep. Uh, next week we will do. Um, we'll move over to second base. Um, there's a lot to pick from from there too. So I'm excited yeah, for that one. And there is. for for current second baseman, other than Altuve, it's going to be interesting to see. Well, it's a bit of a research. Yeah, a bit of a resurgent position this year. Yeah, for the got, past couple of years. You had a guy like Jazz Chisholm who's not even a second baseman anymore. Now he's back in the outfield and right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. It's a position that I and just before we move on, like it's I'm interested to see what we get next week because mm. it's a position that historically has been such a defensively driven position, which you yes. put up with like you put up with eh offensive numbers right because the guys defensively are so good and not to say that but i mean a guy like luisa rice that guy's not much of a glove like he he doesn't do much for me defensively no he's good he's gonna help but boy is he gonna help miami offensively that's what i'm saying like miami's gonna love his offense so it's it's like it's not something you're used to seeing from that position right um so you know i just and that's, I think yeah. that's true, even true historically. You know, look at look at some of your best second basemen of all time. You know, the Joe Morgans and Ryan Sandbergs and Jeff Kents and Rod Carews. Like a lot of these guys were great on one side of the ball and serviceable on the other. And it was, it's one of those positions that's always been. It's almost like you know catchers. You you were either a great defensively or great offensively, but very right. few were good yeah. at both. I, I mean, we've talked about it before. I would love to see that Rod Carew season. Where he hit like 371 with zero home runs. Don't and he won, MV- he won the batting title. He yeah. won the MVP. Yeah. I mean, imagine no just, home runs. You just walk up, you just go and watch him, just watch him slap the ball over the field all day long. Dude, Doesn't matter. That must be, that must be the most, fr- like, he must have been one of the most frustrating guys 
to pitch against because it's like it's like the death of a thousand cuts. Like if I'm gonna make a mistake, put it over the fence and call it a day. Like right. if I'm gonna you just every mistake is just like single, double, single, double. It's like yeah. God damn it, man. Like right. just put it over the Stop. fence and call it a day. I literally just sawed that guy off and he just legged out a double down the line because he's well, like and it's it's a lot like oh. Tony Gwynn's peak years. I mean Tony Gwynn's peak years, the guy would hit three ninety he hit three in twenty in ninety ninety in nineteen ninety four, the guy hit three ninety four with twelve home runs. Um yeah. three, three you know, the year after he hit three sixty eight with nine home runs. Like they just <laughs> wore you the hell out. But you think a guy that That's made nine that more contact, than Rod Carew had in nineteen seventy eight. Right. You you'd think a guy yeah, like Rod Carew who made contact that often would accidentally hit one out. Right, no, right, not right. once, not a single one. Even D. Gordon hit a home run. Right, right. that still hasn't landed. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean these gracious. these high contact. I mean, there were many years where like Tony Gwynn hit three thirty six with four home runs. It, yeah. But it's like holy cow, how is that possible? I remember when when I played when I was in my freshman year in high school. Our freshman year team, our we were taking batting practice like maybe like second practice of the year, <clears throat> and so our coach had like a. Like, we were inside because it was March, right? So, yeah. like, we're inside. We're not Cold doing anything snowy. outside. So, we're in the gym, and he's got the, with the cage comes down, and we're in the, and he's got like a video camera to the side. And the whole idea was like, everyone's going to take hacks BP wise. And then afterwards, we'd go, he was one of the science teachers. So, like, we'll go into the science room and we'll watch, and we'll just like, not necessarily dissect swings, but we'll say, like, hey, like, you know, maybe this is where we could, you know, hands up a little bit more, like, whatever. And, um, I was in, and he's like, oh, you're a bit of a slap hitter, huh? And I, like, took offense to it. And he was like, dude, some of the best hitters in the world, like, don't take offense to someone saying you're a slap hitter. Right. And he's like, Tony Gwynn was a slap hitter. This guy was he fantastic. Was. You know, so. I'll never, like, was a slap hitter. Things. Tony Gwynn was oh a slap God. hitter. Rod Carew was a slap hitter. Those guys did oh, all right. They yeah. did okay. Yeah, they did okay. <laughs> Goodness. All right. Well, I did put out a question uh, last week. Uh, we're moving on to rounding third question about who was going to be our first overall draft pick. No one really answered that. That's fine. We still got a couple more weeks until we get that going. So we were talking after the show um, about our best fictional baseball starting rotation. Um, so I did put it out on the Facebook page just to see some responses. Um, and we did have some. So I will give their answers and then we'll go around and give ours. Um, this is kind of fun to think about. It was really fun for us to talk about it after the show last week. So here we go. Uh, Henley the Rose uh, said Steve Nebraska as the ace. So he's from uh, the Scout. Uh, I love Jets- that movie. And one of you guys said you hadn't seen that movie be- movie before, right? Uh, I never seen oh, it. Man. Never seen it. You have to watch it. It's so good. Um, Steve Nebraska's in my rotation too. I love Steve Nebraska. Dang, um, I got to get on it then. Uh, Chet Stedman, Ebby Lelouch. Ricky Vaughn and then Kenny DeNunez from the Sandlot. I love so it. that was Henry's. Um, Nick Fannings is absolutely hilarious. Um, he took Henry Gardenhoser, Henry Rosenberger, Henry <laughs> Rolling Gardner. So he just he just took the rookie of the year in all five spots. So yeah, um, I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, um, what? well played, Nick. Well right? played. It's so funny. <laughs> and he goes, as my closer, I'd have a wild thing. Uh, I mean, of course you would. Um, Sarah Carter also commented. She said Kit Keller from League of Their Own, Henry Rowan Gardner, mm-hmm. Kenny DeNunez, Miles Penfield the second from the Cucumbas from Hardball. And oh, then Ricky, oh, and yeah. then Ricky, Hardball. And then Ricky Vaughn. Yep. So 
those were her five. Who do you I'd guys throw have in, on yours? I had a lot. I did some similar ones. Um, Ricky uh, Kenny De Nunez is one is a good one. Um, I loved um, the uh, Mel Clark from Angels in the Outfield was a good yep. one for me. Um, and then, uh, well, I can't I think of his name. Kevin Costner's character from um, Love of the, oh, Game. Love of the Game. Billy Chapel. What was it? Chapel. Thank you. Yeah, he yep. was one. Um, you know who I also love too from the original Bad News Bears, the daughter Amanda. I don't know her last name, but yeah. you know the one that that he yep. goes and gets, and she's like just just mowing yep. people down. Amanda Wurlitzer. Uh, was that her last name? Wurlitzer. Yep. Wurlitzer. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good uh, one. Yeah, those are good ones. Who did you have, Harrison? So I had uh, I had Ricky Vaughn. I'm always been a huge Ricky Vaughn fan. Uh, I had Billy Chapel for Love of the Game is one of my favorite baseball movies of all time. Me too. Me too. Um, I had Steve Nebraska from The Scout. I had Ryan Dunn from Summer oh. Catch. Ooh, um, great one. And then I had Henry Rowan Gartner from Rookie of the Year. And then my closer would absolutely be Kenny Powers. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, 100%. fantastic! Yeah, hundred percent. Kenny Powers is so good. Um, I got. Uh, Henry Rowan Gardner, obviously. I mean, the yep. kid was a stud. Um, and then Ginny Baker. I don't know if you guys remember the series. It was a one-season series on Fox um, called Pitch, and she was the first female MLB player, um, and she threw, like, mid, uh, low to mid-90s. Um, it was a pretty good series. They never continued it because, you know, they just didn't. Yep. Um, and then Chet Stedman, Billy <laughs> Chapel. And then Raven I have. Oh, keep, keep in mind, Chet Stedman was played by Gary Busey, and that Damn is right he was. That, that alone oh, yeah. is reason to pick him. Yep. Damn right he was. Um, <laughs> and then my my last two here. I know I went six because I have an honorable mention. Um, and you, Bugs, you're Bugs, always Bugs that Bunny guy is, that has one more. Right, Bugs Bunny is my is my fifth <laughs> starter. I mean, he's also my catcher, my first baseman, my entire infield, oh, and my outfield. So, um, Bugs Bunny, and then. Uh, honorable mention for me is Sam Mayday Malone from Cheers. Good one. So good. Yep. Never I, saw I, him pitch on the field, but you knew he was a pitcher. I but. will throw one more honorable mention out there for a movie that most people probably haven't seen, and that is Rigoberto Sanchez from Trouble with the Curve. If you have mm. not seen Trouble with the Curve, that is actually yep, a really movie. good movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I've talked to a lot of people that are baseball fans that have never, never even heard of it. Um, Peanut but Boy. It, it is a good movie. Yeah, Peanut Boy. Exactly, Peanut Boy. Mm-hmm. That's a good movie, and he throws a nasty curveball. Do you know what? I'll just say this. You know what kills me about Rookie of the Year, and I love that movie. It was it was literally my favorite movie growing up. Like when Pat and I, um, when Pat and I were kids, we would every day in the summertime we would all watch right. Rookie of the Year. I'm sure my parents were just like, movie. "This is the worst movie of all time," but we watch it every day. <laughs> and then I still watch it all the time. But you know what kills me? Chet Stedman. He's supposed to be like. He's the rocket. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Like the guy essentially was like Roger Clemens, right? The rocket. I mean, that's what he was. He was Roger Clemens, best pitcher in baseball. And in the middle of the movie, they're like, Henry's like starting to warm up to the team and they're on the plane. They're going out West in the West coast. And he's like, Oh, Henry, what'd you get? Henry's like chicken tenders. What about you? He's like one of the best Salisbury steaks I ever had, buddy. If you're the best pitcher in baseball, the best steak you've ever had is not on an airplane. That's the most ridiculous thing of all time. Like it, like it's a throwaway line. Like I get that it's a throwaway line. It makes me angry every time. It, I like hate that you pointed that out because now that's all I, I'm gonna hear. Every I know time now you. Talk about it kills I, me. It's, it's ruined, ruined that movie for me now. 
like how can you tell me that the best Salisbury steak you've ever had is on an airplane? Like that is just yeah, that's ridiculous. Well, let's be serious for a minute here. Like best Salisbury steak, that's a low bar. Like, sure, but still, and, and I and I recognize that. But an but airplane, still, like, yeah, it's, like it's the best not, one you've had on an it's airplane, not true. Uh, do you know another underrated baseball movie that not many people think uh, talk about is Million Dollar Arm? Yeah, or the it's Scout, they, Nick. Right, the Scout. The Scout never heard of it, right? Um, but Million Dollar Arm, they go to India and they try to find the best cricket arms oh, and bring them yeah. back into MLB. Like that was that was a pretty good movie too. Um, but yeah, one a couple names I was surprised we didn't hear at all were uh, were Roy Hobbs from The Natural. Okay, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm also surprised we didn't hear um, about uh, a Nuke Lalouche from uh, Bull Durham. No, someone had him. Sarah, oh, did somebody have him? Okay. Sarah had him, I think. So, yeah. I'll always remember him hitting the home, giving up the home run off the Bull's ass. And that's all I can ever think of with that movie. I never think of him as a good pitcher, but. The Bull's still there, baby. You can still get free <laughs> it steaks. It is still there. Free steaks. Still get free steaks. But that was yeah. a great movie. I mean, that was pretty cool. I mean, that was fun talking after the podcast last week about, you know, all the arms, all the movies and stuff to put that together. So we'll uh, we'll try to find more interactive questions like that for you guys because you guys seem to enjoy those a lot. So um, we'll it's amazing how many baseball movies there are out there. Right. There's a ton. Good ones. Yeah, how many good, good right. baseball? Yeah. There's a good, lot of yeah. good there baseball are. movies. There are. Yeah. So, yeah, they're actually talking to the NC State um, – women's coach uh for basketball and they're just giving them like rapid fire questions and they're like what's your favorite sports movie of all time and he goes for the love of the game it's so like basketball movie. coach oh, it, saying it, you know baseball it's so movie, good it's awesome it yeah. is so so good so when 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 you guys answer the question of your top three baseball movies of all time what were they oh god i don't remember let's let's go back to the tape it changes yeah, well, every week I, what would you what I, would you say are your top three I would say Little Big League for me, for Love of the Games. For Love of the Games, probably number one. Number two is probably Little Big League. And number three, Field of Dreams I really like. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, Rookie of the Year I like, I love. Um, Trouble with the Curve is really good. It's sneaky. Moneyball I love. Like I, I love know, Moneyball. that's a great movie. A good book, like, too. It, I Nick so books those Maybe. things with page with paper that you open up and actually look at the words on them. <laughs> yes, thanks. Thanks. I, I, I got that one. I would say if I had to have gun to my head, I'd say Moneyball three. So for love of the game, little big league Moneyball. Those are good choices. I, I'm I've always been Thank a major know. league Sandlot and for love of the game guy. I mm. I love Field of Dreams, and I tend to flip flop on my third choice between for love of the game and Field of Dreams. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I would have to go. I have to go. Major League, probably Little Big League is, is such that's is a, such so an underrated good. movie. It's the, so underrated. So best so part underrated. is when he goes in for the manager, the manager interview, and just completely like crushes. <laughs> and the it. pitching like, coach like, "What? Do you, he's like, any more questions? He's like, what do you need me for? Yeah, this kid knows everything. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. I have not seen that movie in years. I feel like I need oh, to rewatch so it. So good. I watch it like once a month. Yeah, I I used to watch Major League every. I used to watch it the weekend or the week before baseball started every friggin' season, and I haven't done that in a few years. And you honestly, honestly, might laugh at this, but for the love of the game, it's a good movie. I mean, Why would we laugh at it? Well, I don't know. I just like I love I, that. Every time it's on, I watch it. Like it I love that movie. Yeah, it's on ours. Right in. 
yeah. it's on ours. So, yeah, for yeah. for love of the game is my third, and Field of Dreams kind of switches places with it occasionally. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. So, Bill, the the story of Billy Chapel when he cuts his hand with the saw and all the other stuff that happens. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. And those fans, um, like the guy, the fans at the new at the at the game that they go back to, like when he finally throws it, like the fat New York guy is like, "Well, got to give it to him." Perfect. Oh yeah, I love that part. Like those guys yeah. are so funny. His yeah. great. The final, the final batter is that young kid who hits the ground out, and the Yankees fans are like, "Yeah, that's the yeah, locker room." We got to give it to him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but I, 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 feel like before the next yeah, episode, Nick, you need to watch the scout. I'll try to find it. I'll get it's it. It's so good. Me too, man. I haven't seen it either. It's such a good movie. I used to watch that. It used to be. It was one of those movies that was like always being played, like late at night on those rant, like Comedy Central or the random movie channels. Yeah. It's a good one. I mean, a league of their own is also way up there for me. It is honestly like it really is. I mean, it's it's great. I don't know. There's just so many to pick from, but it changes week to week. Like, oh yeah, you you could ask me this question next week, and I have three different ones. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I so, get it. Yeah. All right, so we'll throw out another question uh, next week, but we are going to start heading home here, wrapping up some news. Uh, MLB TV announces that they are going to air 7,000 minor league games that will be included in the MLB TV package. Um, I think this is kind of cool. However, they're still working on the blackouts issue because, like I said, I don't even have an MLB team in my state and I'm blacked out of three markets. (laughs) And I have eight minor league teams in my state uh-huh. i'm going to be blacked out of all of those too if you know they play these minor league games so um we'll see how that they're trying to work through it i've heard they're trying to figure it out i mean if you pay for the mlb tv subscription you should not be blacked out that's uh, I, yeah i feel like for the money you pay for that subscription you should just get like unrestricted access to everything but i i get where all these little regional and local networks tramp you know get they get, you know, first first dibs on all the local games, and I get that. But it's like, man, the NFL's figured this out. Why can't MLB figure it out? But you can't tell. You can register who's what. Like they can go in and be like, Nick Arno's watching the Red Sox against the Orioles game right mm-hmm. now. So we should like they could give a certain percentage to that market, depending yeah. on how many viewers are watching it through their subscription. You know what I mean? Like, there's a way around it. They can figure it out. There is, and the, the the issue the issue they have is that MLB allowed this regional this kind of regionalization of of the networks that other sports did not. You know, MLB MLB went to the regional networks and allowed these teams to have these regional networks. The NFL immediately went to national networks. The NBA went to national networks. The NHL went to national networks. Well, um, the NHL though is blackouts. They do, but not as many. Like, there's, there, there's fewer regional no, options, but yeah, they still have some. But they still yeah. like when Boston's like, a good one because of Nesson. Right. Like I have to watch the Bruins on Nesson. Mm. Like I, I can't watch it on ESPN plus and I have the ESPN plus subscription, yep. but I have to watch the Bruins on Nesson. Yeah. There's a handful of teams that have blackout issues, but it's not as yeah. widespread. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of cool though, to, to get 7,000 minor league games in there. So, I mean, that's a, that's a really good amount of minor league games that are going to be televised which is kind of and the cool part too is that a lot of your minor league games are in the afternoon you know these a lot of times they're playing like a wednesday afternoon getaway game and you know it offers people another opportunity to see baseball and as much as we rail on baseball for not promoting young players 
this is actually well, doing yep. that, which is great. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yep. It's, I, it's a step in the right I direction. I love it. Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's brilliant and it just gives you more stuff for people to watch. And yeah. I like, and it's, it, I'm glad that baseball is not doing the thing that says, Hey, we're going to add 7,000 games to MLB TV. If you pay an extra $5 a month, like I'm <laughs> right. glad they're just playing right. for the fee, right? Like for what you right. pay, you're, we're just going to give you this. Like I, I think that's the right thing to do. So, Absolutely. so, so you got, do you guys both do MLB TV? I do. I did because I have T-Mobile and it was free last year. Oh, sick. Cause T-Mobile does uh giveaway Tuesdays. And it just happened to be that that Tuesday they were giving away a year of MLB TV. So I was like, whoop, free. Done. Like, I'll take it. Yep. So would, would you pay for MLB TV? Oh, absolutely. In a heartbeat, okay. especially doing this. Like it's kind of a no brainer. Um, but yeah, just Sean, I, Sean and I tried to share a subscription yeah, one year, work. and that was when I was still in Maine, and it still right. wouldn't work. It was like all messed up, so it was like, dang, it knows we're in different states, so the three of us couldn't share one. Yeah, I had MLB, I had MLB TV three years ago, and I haven't gotten it back the last couple of years because it was, it was so frustrating to use it. But we're gonna have to get it back this year. Yeah, it's gotten better. I watch it through my PlayStation, and it works. It's awesome. Nice. Mm-hmm. Great. So, all right, moving on. Uh, Luis Garcia told he can't rock the baby this year. Thank God. So that takes about 15 seconds off his windup. Um, I mean, dude, that that guy couldn't hit the pitch clock because of his road because because of the windup, not because of him standing on the mound. He the dude takes forever to deliver the baseball. Doesn't doesn't the clock stop as soon as you start your windup? Well, the question with him was, when does the wind-up technically start? He's got all this, like, pre-wind-up movement. I mean, fair. But he was told that part has to be taken out of his his wind-up. So, um, yeah, he wasn't happy about it. But you know what? Life goes on. You're still going to get paid. Okay. I mean, I I enjoy him as a pitcher. I think he's very talented. But, my God, his his wind-up is the worst in baseball. It's so – it's I can't watch a game that he's pitching. I just can't. Dude, every time I play the show and he comes up, I just quit the game. <laughs> I can't. It, t- it takes 25 seconds per pitch, dude. It's like, That's so bad. It's the worst. All right. <laughs> the game. Yeah. Um, so this is in response to a Facebook post that we saw. Um, they were talking about the length of game by decade. So back in the night, started in 1972, the average game length was two hours and 27 minutes. 1982 went up 13 minutes, went to two hours, 40 minutes, and so on and so on. It gradually goes up, and then now 2022, we're three hours, six minutes. So really, it's only increased 45 minutes in 50 years. Yep. Right? Now, you can't tell me that the advertising in 1972 was as as good as it is now. Right, the amount of advertising that that that, you have, that they have to put on TV to pay these players and pay these teams is exponentially bigger, right? So this is the pace of, you know, this is why the game length is so long, because they have these three-minute commercial breaks. Yeah, and in 1972, you didn't have the same length commercial breaks. You did not have specialists coming out of the bullpen, so you weren't making changes in the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth. Um, you weren't changing lefty-righty matchups. You you had 
there are parts of the game that were different, but more than anything, you were not running all these friggin' ads at every break in the game, in the action. I remember growing up as a kid watching the games on W, what is it, WSBK or whatever, coming out of Boston before Nesson was around, where they, you know, they'd, they'd make the pitching change and they'd stay. Like the, the they well, would, you'd watch the pitcher warm up, they'd run some stats and talk for a minute. So every now and again, you see it when they run out of there. If, if you have a game where we have a decent number of pitching changes, you'll you'll run into that you'll get to like the eighth inning and they'll be out of they'll only have in between inning ads yeah right. and then they'll keep it but it well, they're like let's pause for station identification well, there's that. Like like that but but every now and again it will happen you know it's yeah. just listen it's 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 something that it's not just baseball it's all sports like it, it's something that comes along with if you want your sport if we sit there and we want baseball to be marketed better and we want the league to promote these players and we want the league to promote the game and we want all that stuff. Well, that the cost that comes of that is we have right. to deal with this. Like that's just how it is because right. the more we market these players and the more we market this game and the more popular this game is, the more expensive it's going to be and sponsors are going to want to run ads. That's just how it works. Yeah. Right. So my, my whole point of bringing this up is not necessarily um, the advertising part of that piece as much as, the fans are yelling at MLB that we need to speed this up. We need to completely change the game and make it faster, make it more entertaining. When in fact, the games are, you know, pretty much the same length as they've always been. Yeah, the average length of the game right, hasn't changed. Has it gone up a little bit? Sure. But like with the amount of advertising, like we were just talking about, that's going to automatically add an average time to your baseball game. So Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily like we don't need to make all these changes to baseball to speed the game up when, you know, it's not the game itself that's slowing down. Right. And I I would say, I would even say, and they'll never do it because you have to give them advertised dollars back and baseball would never do it. But if we're going to be, Commercial break should be in between innings or, right. or half, you know, every half inning, every half inning, we should be commercial breaks. Yep. When we go to the bullpen, we stay here. We talk yep. about the guy that's coming in. We show some stats and we had, he has his eight warm-up pitches and we're ready to go. If that was the way baseball had it and they didn't see dollar signs every time. Oh, well, is it, we could squeeze a break in here. We wouldn't have have, we wouldn't have to have this minimum three batter rule. Right. You could still do right. lefty, righty, lefty, righty. Yep. Like the reason why we did this minimum three batter roll is because of all the commercial breaks. Right. Yeah. So let me, let me, let me give you guys a, a stat that'll blow your mind a little bit. So MLB, the average game is three hours and six minutes. The NFL, three hours and 12 minutes. Nobody's screaming. The NFL game takes too long. Although I think it does. Uh, Cause the commercial breaks drive me bananas at, you know, after the kickoff between the kickoff, but that doesn't happen crazy. anymore. That doesn't know. Right. They've got it, a lot of that they've taken out, but still the an NFL right. game it used takes, to be worse. Oh, yeah, it used to be way worse. An NFL game still takes six minutes longer. But they play once a week. Right. Nobody's complaining about the length of an NFL game because it's once a week and it's, you know, it's more action-packed than baseball. What I think, honestly, what's happened is the the attention span of the consumer just doesn't fit baseball anymore. So we can make the game two hour, two and a half hours. They're not going to friggin' watch it. They have to make that. They have to make the game exciting. They've got to. They've got to market the personalities and the games and the matchups and the beauty of the game 
and and not just try to make it shorter. You, you rushing through a baseball game doesn't do anybody any good because the consumer show they'll sit there for three hours and twelve minutes to watch a football game. How do we get them to watch a baseball game? Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, it's just yeah. I mean, it's hard to sit down for three hours every single night and watch a full baseball game, right? I mean, totally. even us even us diehard baseball guys. Like it's hard to dedicate three hours a night, 162 times, plus playoffs. You know during the year. Yeah, like, those, I get it. Like football, there's a lot of mornings. Yeah, there's a lot of mornings. I'm just grabbing the highlights and calling it good. Yeah, sure. yeah. Because it's it's a lot of games. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just it was just interesting that I saw that, and like it's not necessarily the pace of the game that has changed as much as you know. It is. It's the advertisement advertisement length in between innings that's causing you know the length of game. You know the pitcher might be ready to go, and the umpire's standing there like this because ESPN hasn't come back from break yet. You know, like it's it's yeah. So we're making all these changes to the game when in fact the game itself isn't really the issue. No, and the average minor league game is two hours and thirty nine minutes which is pretty much on pace with what it was in 1972 for MLB because there's no commercials, right. but you're still not going to find a minor league baseball stadium sold out unless just the Savannah bananas charging 200 bucks a ticket. But it, I mean that, that shows you right there. TV's added most of that 40 minutes. Um, but at the end of the day, it's more about getting the consumer to be able to sit, be able to actually tune in and watch it. Right. All right. Well, I'll get off my soapbox for a little bit about that. So um, we'll move on to the last thing that I have tonight is we had talked about this a couple months ago um, about Steven Strasburg, about his season ending, possibly career ending arm injury. Um, he tried to come back and he suffered a really, be- a really big setback and there's no timetable for his return. Um, if there is anything working for Steven Strasburg, it is that he's still fairly young, he's right? Like 33. He's 32, 33. So, I mean, hopefully he can he can bounce back from it. But, I mean, I don't know. It sounded really bad last year when we heard that he went down. Yeah. Because um, they pretty much said right away, they're like, yeah, um, this isn't good, and we don't know. And I was like, okay, that's all you're going to give us. So, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, just unfortunate because, I mean, we were kind of talking before the show, like, has Steven Strasburg done enough for the Hall of Fame? Like, could he have a, quote-unquote, Sandy Koufax-type career? Like, has he done it, you know, long enough to earn those Hall of Fame numbers? Was the guy dominant? Absolutely. A a thousand percent dominant when the guy was on the hill. But did he do it long enough? What do we think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's 1,400 innings in his career. He doesn't have 2,000 yeah. innings. I no, think I, mean, I, I I would like to see for a guy that's pitched 13 years, you know, a lot injury riddled, um, yeah. doesn't have a Cy Young, twice finished in the top five, once finished in the top three, um, did win a title. So, I mean, you know, he was there and he was a big part of that. Certainly was a huge part of that that team that, that went ahead and won the – won the world series. Um, but I don't know. And I'm the one that posited the question, um, to you guys. 
I, I just don't know if it's enough. 1,470 total innings. The wins and losses don't move me as much as they might move someone else. Like, it just, especially in baseball, like, wins and losses are just so team-oriented. Yeah. You know, like, it's, like, you could just, you could be on a terrible team and pitch your nutbag off and win, like, 12 games. Like, that's not, like, that well, doesn't say that much That's to the me. story of Nolan Ryan's career. The dude was. Sure, yeah. The dude's a just slightly above 500 pitcher because he pitched on so many bad teams. Sure, um, but to, it's just the it's how many injury riddled seasons Strasburg yep. and I guess Nick to the point that you made earlier. Like, was he dominant when he was out there? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he was. He was for a large part of his healthy career. He was must must watch, must tune in. Absolutely. Um, but I just don't know if it was enough. When he was a good pitcher on a lot of bad teams too, which is amazing. He was above 500 yeah. on really bad teams with great numbers and. I think he was on a Hall of Fame trajectory until these injuries have basically cost him the last three years. And now the yeah. question becomes, does he ever come back? You know, based on what he's done to this point, is he a Hall of Famer? Probably not. But he would have been if he could have gotten on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, w- I would certainly say, and I don't know if the Nationals have a Hall of Fame slash Ring of Honor slash whatever. He's in that. Oh, whatever yeah. Whatever that is, 100%. he's in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I don't know about Cooperstown. I don't, they, I don't know about Cooperstown. There should be a statue next to Ryan Zimmerman's outside of, of Nationals Park yeah, for him. Absolutely. 1,000%. 1,000%. Yeah, they, they, he, he was part of adding relevancy to that organization. He brought him a title. Like he was huge yeah. in that playoff run. Huge. No. And, and honestly, without him. They no, don't win it without him. And the yeah. drafting of Strasburg changed the whole trajectory of that organization, it put them on a winning path. Yeah. He he was that he was that difference maker player that brought them, got you know got them rolling mm-hmm. in the right direction. Absolutely. All right, that's all I have. Do you guys have anything else to add for this week? Yeah, one one thing to add. So as we've talked about on past episodes, the MLB owners are a little bit nervous about Steve Cohen spending. Mm-hmm. Um, so the MLB owners have created an economic reform committee. Uh, to focus on competitive balance and broadcast deals. The goal being that ML, this is the first step. This is believed to be the first step towards the owners coming together to create a salary cap and make that an issue in the next CBA Sean mentioned earlier, but also it is looking at how do you take some of these, some of these regional television networks and national television network start to get away from blackouts and start to make baseball more approachable to everybody. So in one on one hand, they're doing it because they're afraid of Steve Cohen spending. On the other hand, they're trying to bring together uh, the league in a way to begin to negotiate globally versus um, independently. <clears throat> the committee right now consists of three owners: it's John Henry of the Red Sox, Chris Illich of the Tigers, and Dick Monfort of the Rockies. Um, there are other owners that are going to be they're going to be members of the committee coming in and out, but those are the three key members. Um, and they are looking hard at broadcast deals, how to deal with the regional issues, how to potentially look at putting a, um, a salary cap in place. How do you get control of spending? Um, it's an interesting approach from MLB to start to get into that sort of stuff. I, yeah. I actually, I actually saw something that was funny is that when they, yeah. they do this committee and they're like, oh, well, how come these other teams didn't form a committee when you weren't spending the revenue sharing? <laughs> right. And then it's like, and then underneath it says, 
it says the Pittsburgh Pirates have left the chat. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and but we've we talked about that with the last CBA. Like, if MLB is going to put a salary cap in place, they got to put a floor in place. You can't let these teams spend. <clears throat> and I think they nothing. will. I think they will. I mean, yeah, pretty absolutely. much every league that has a cap has a floor. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just that we we don't really talk about the floor because the cap is what's always threatened. Like, right. there's there will be if there's a cap that's put in, there will be a floor. Well, I'm not. And you, that you I, know why I, we don't talk about the floor? Because the teams that spend at the floor suck, and they're not worth talking about. Right, but they're meeting right. the, like they're meeting the minimum. Right, exactly. Do you know you what know, I mean? It's, and it's like, listen, you know, it's it's like getting you know meets expectations on your review. You know, well, the, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing with baseball right now is because there's no floor, we can equally shit on the athletics and the Rockies as much as we can shit on the Mets and someone else. Cause we're like, Oh, this guy spends so much, but these guys spend so little. Yeah. But if the floor is moved up to here and if the Rockies and A's are spending, then like, Hey, yeah, it's, it's better for baseball. Ultimately, ultimately there's more money available to players. If those teams that are below the floor come up and you pull the couple of teams that are above it down, there's actually more money overall in the game that way. So it's, it's good to see MLB address this, this issue and get real about the fact that they need to deal with some of these things like the network deals, like the blackouts, like the spending issue, the over and the underspending. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it leads to, but it's it's nice to see them actually do it. But they've got their work cut out for them because I think the other leagues have done a better job of cleaning up that kind of crap, and MLB's still <clears> doing <throat> years later. Yep. I mean, we well, talked that's... about it last week. I, I, I will say this. Last thing, Nick, sorry. Okay. I, think, I think we are at that, that boiling point, though, where – I think the players, for years, for years, we've said, well, baseball is never going to get a salary cap because the players won't allow it. I think we are at that boiling point, though, where the union is going to look at the future of where the game's going. And the players are going to say, we kind of got to put this in. Yeah. Like, we don't, like, we don't, we don't love the idea. And maybe we just have to hold our nose and jump in. But, like, we got to put this in. Because it is, it, for the devil's advocate that I was playing last week, you got to put it in. It's time. Yeah, it's it's time for it's MLB time. to address these issues they've danced around for the last decade. Yep, it's yeah. time. All right. Anything else tonight, fellas? No, no WBC good. starts in a couple of weeks. We've got some baseball that's meaningful. Teams no, are at spring training that. getting ready, so – I feel like yeah. I feel like we're there. We're coming up on meaningful spring training games here My soon. Goodness. Our sure second are. full year of baseball coming for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, man, this has been a blast. It's been a ride, and I can't wait to keep going. So, well, and we Ready picked a hell it. of a first year to start, right? <laughs> My God, that I was know huh? that was a tough winter. <laughs> that was a real tough winter, but you know what? We got through it, muscled through it. All right. So next, I will throw out question of the week uh, next week on Facebook. Um, we were. We will go over the NL Central Division, uh, our preview for that yeah, next week. That'll be a fun one. That will be a fun one. That one will be tight. I mean, I'm curious to see where the Cubs end up, to see if they leapfrog the Brewers, see what your thoughts are on that. Um, and then uh, we move on to the best all-time second baseman and the best um, three second basemen right now. So tune in next week, uh, Monday at 8. And we'll see y'all then. See ya. All right, boys.